I'm Fathery. I'm Strafly Boy. And this is Text Trek. Engage. Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 209th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek, old and new. And tonight we are talking about Star Trek Discovery. Discover. I do that all the time. <laughs> There's too many damn shows. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 9, Reflections, written by Mike McMahon and directed by Michael Mullen. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to give a special thank you and shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. We really appreciate all of you who chip in a little bit every month to uh, help us keep the show going. And that's going to be you, Starfleet Boy, but also Cake is Eternal, Gay Clevin Lundstrom, Crazy Dutchy, Joe Ann Robertson, Quarks Bar, John Dawes, and our anonymous supporters. Thank you all so much from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, you can sign up uh, on the Text Trek Patreon at various different tiers. We have different perks, but you can come in as little as uh, $2 per month, and it goes a long way to, to help us out. It all, it all adds up over the course of a year and you know really helps with a lot of our expenses, like the podcast hosting, the StreamYard subscription, the, uh, the website hosting. So uh, thank you for doing that, those those who do, and it, it means a lot to us. And if you're unable to help financially, but you still want to support the channel, you can always uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are getting really close to 1,000 subscribers. I've promised I will sing the dreaded god-awful song that I hate more than anything. But uh, the Enterprise theme song, Faith of the Heart, I will uh, on video sing that entire song, every word uh for all of you who want to torture me if you can get us up to uh 1000 we only need like a like a few dozen more uh so it's got to be by the end of the year though Af after new year's eve after the stroke of midnight on december 31st i i promise i i will not do that so you gotta you gotta get them in before the deadline uh jill 47 in the audience can you tweet that so i can retweet it because that's hilarious <laughs> Oh, what did what did she say? Jill says so. They're talking about the butt bugs already, and <laughs> in the audience, and and Jill said a group of butt bugs is called a conspiracy. Okay. Like like a group that. of a group of crows is called a murder. A murder of crows. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the, it's like the best thing ever. Got it. Okay. Uh, neat. I like it. Uh, approved. That is now official canon. Uh, <laughs> a conspiracy of butt bugs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, delicious but uh some some star trek news coming up though uh on october 8th just in a few weeks uh we will have a star trek universe presentation at new york comic con so 
I'm sure there's going to be coverage of that over on Trek Central, and we'll do something on on Text Trek to uh, break all of that down. But yeah, expect big stuff for Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Discovery, and Star Trek Prodigy, and who knows what else. The entire TNG cast is going to be there. Sonequa Martin-Green and Michelle Paradise and Alex Kurtzman are going to be there. Rod Roddenberry is showing up. So a lot, a lot of Discovery stuff. Oh, and like a lot of the Prodigy voice actors and the Hageman brothers. Uh, creators of, of Star Trek Prodigy, they'll all be present. So th- that'll just be a couple weeks before Prodigy returns on October 27th. So uh, I'm looking forward to New York Comic Con. I'm looking forward to the return of Prodigy. There's going to be lots of cool stuff from Text Trek coming down the pike later in the year. It's super exciting. And uh, I am I was already really excited about Picard, but I feel like good th- there's going to be some good Picard stuff there. <laughs> yeah, we might get a new trailer. Uh, you know, the last trailer we got, it's still kind of a teaser. So I think we might get like a bit of a, a story trailer that actually, uh, you know, tells us a little bit of, not that I want to know too much going in, but. I'll watch the trailer several times for you, Father. I'll let you know if it's okay. No, I'll, I'll, I, I will watch it. I will cover it. Uh, I will do that for my audience. I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I, well, I feel like I probably mentioned it before, but I don't watch trailers like other things I like other than Star Trek. If I know I'm going to watch it, I just like, I skip the trailers. It's like, well, I'm so busy doing all the Star Trek stuff. I, I'm distracted by star trek all the time i can just skip the trailers for like marvel movies or stuff like that and then i just go into all of those you know totally blind and uh, i find it actually extremely rewarding i I try to like know as little about anything before i watch it and uh, it it definitely helps i like trailers for star trek there's very few things that i won't watch a trailer for (laughs) but trailers is as far as i go i don't want to know leaks i don't want to know too much you know it's fun being surprised the and the story yeah. a lot of the storytellers want to surprise us so i, I try not to oh yeah to deny them that opportunity can i get one more uh, little thing in about star trek picard i just gotta say i've been binging uh 12 monkeys and i was already excited about terry Metalis or Metalis. Metalis. but yeah Metalis. but now i am just through the moon excited like i feel like we're in for a really good treat. The dude can write <laughs> dude can run a show the, the dude can write, develop a show, direct. I mean, he's like, he's awesome. <laughs> and he, he's like that same level of like Star Trek fan, writer, producer that we have, I think, with, with Aaron Watke on Prodigy or Mike McMahon on Lower Decks. So, And I, I think Henry Alonzo Meyer has like a bit of that uh, himself, too. And so. remember... Uh, Terry was on Star Trek. He was in. He was part yeah. of the production team for uh, Voyager. Voyager and say, Enterprise. As, he was, he was a baby writer yeah. under uh, Brandon Braga's wing back in the back in the old yeah. days. So yeah, yeah. It, he's gonna pour a lot of love into it. I in know fact, because that's how dedicated love, he is. There's like, a lot of love. Yeah. Right when he got out of college, he's like, okay, the I, the job I want most is to work for Star Trek. Let me let me like awesome. see if I can work my way into that writer's room. And and yeah, so it's like. You know, it kind of sucks that, like, he was so young, but, like, by the time he was, like, coming up in the industry, it was right around the time Star Trek was leaving television for a little bit. But time was kind to him. Not only, you know, the guy who loves time travel, but, like, time was kind <laughs> to does. him. He does. He loves this, it. this opportunity to return. And hopefully, hopefully we get him for something else after Picard. You know, hopefully the season three of Picard has, like, a positive reception. And, and yeah, uh, he's definitely said multiple times he's made it known he would love to do more star trek so i'm lobbying for terry yeah it sounds like there's nothing going on with him right now and i mean who he did keep it a secret for a long time that the entire tng cast was returning for picard season three he sat on that for a long time so i don't know maybe they're sitting on something now but it, it sounds like there's nothing like official like on paper i think they're just waiting for that season three of picard to actually like come out i mean like they probably have like a, a sense if it's good or not you know just like i'm sure like with strange new worlds they're like really confident with strange new worlds before it came out and 
but I, I think that they, they are still going to just wait and, and see before they, they figure out exactly what they're going to do next and kind of continue that 25th century time period, I think, in some some form. I really hope so. All right. That's enough uh, Star Trek Picard. <laughs> enough <sorry>. Picard. We got <laughs> to do, get down this, to yeah. the lower decks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We can't we can't it, be talking about it. an admiral. We got to talk about like these ensigns, right? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about them. Uh, I'm just going to recap the episode reflections real quick by reading the official synopsis and then I'll kind of expand on that with spoilers. But the official synopsis reads, Mariner and Boimler work the Starfleet recruitment booth at an alien job fair. Rutherford challenges himself, uh, but yes, we have the job fair B story where we see Boimler go nuts. <laughs> but in addition to that, we have this uh, Rutherford story where we get some of the Rutherford backstory, some of the mysteries of the implant that have been teased for a long time uh, are revealed. Not not everything, but we know that uh, he was a bit of I don't know, a bit of an a hole as a young man, a bit of a jerk, a bit, bit of a loner, still a genius <laughs> engineer. But he, when when he was injured in this this accident, uh, he was given this implant by by weird shady badmiral type starfleet people and it reverted when he turned back into a jerk he kind of has this internal struggle with his with his younger self but but the the rutherford that we know and love that we've enjoyed for two and a half seasons of the show comes out on top and uh his his younger self i guess like dies like fades away but yeah we're we're left with still questions but we have some answers so and i think psychologically speaking it was more of an it looked like a death but it was an integration in a way because our rutherford will now remember like he gives him that like remember thing at the end right Yeah, even though they they don't they don't integrate he still has like an awareness of that part an awareness but he also has like a he he's allowed to keep those memories i guess like he was able to transfer some right right those important memories and stuff like that i think it's so deep that they like went there i mean we'll talk about it i'm sure more when we get to that scene but yeah, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff that they did. Well, before we get into specifics like that, uh, let's just talk about like our broad impressions of the the episode as our opening statements. But um, I'll I'll just go first with mine and then I'll ask you yours. But, you know, for me, I, this episode just came off as so like well balanced the way that you're know, speaking of integration. I think here we have like an integration of, you know, like cool science fiction-y type concept, but also uh, big emotional stuff, but also the humor the show is always striving for, uh, but also continuing, you know, like the bigger arcs with, you know, Mariner becoming a responsible Starfleet officer with Boimler exploring his bold side. It was just so well-balanced. That's something that I always uh, try to point out in storytelling when I think they do a good job, because I think a lot of it is a balancing act. I think a lot of telling stories, you are on like a tightrope and you have to have, you know, enough of this, but not too much enough of this and and when you have like that it kind of like kind of like you know uh, thanos in the in the marvel movies where he's, he's like obsessed with like balance and everything but i i think that's what good storytellers do they they know you know when to you know when to add in some jokes with some levity when to hit you with like some emotional stuff when to go a little dark when not to go too dark and this is a great example of of lower decks the the show the show has really uh it came out out of the gate knowing what it was doing in the first few seasons but it's built on top of that and uh yeah it's just like firing on on all cylinders on all thrust they're they're flying on all thrusters i'll say uh, <laughs> I, w- I was extremely impressed with this episode it is uh, easily my favorite of the season which was saying a lot because i really liked episode three mining the mind's mind so but i i, I, know I, I like coming this more. Too, a little bit yes yeah, and then we know so, what's coming yeah, next like... so this is a tough act to follow but <laughs> But, yeah. you know, like, boy, howdy. This, the, the the biggest uh, achievement of this episode for me is, I guess, 
I always liked Rutherford, but I didn't like love him as much as, you know, Tindy or Mariner or Boimler and all those other characters. They had like a little bit more substance, a little bit more for me to like sink my teeth into and chew on, you know, Tindy having like her whole like Orion past, but also, you know, transitioning from like a medical officer to a science officer. Mariner and Boimler, they're both getting interesting arcs and kind of had all along. Rutherford was always great. You know, I liked him. Uh, fun dude i i laughed at his funny moments and stuff i i get like concerned and like his life is on the line but he was he was kind of flat but this really fleshed him out and made him one of the most interesting characters on the show so now i'm just as invested in rutherford as i am the the other three characters and that was uh that was a big accomplishment uh for this episode and a little game changing in in, in good ways going forward but uh so hell what, what about you what did you think of of reflections i agree with everything you said about the show and about like the, how it was written and everything mike mcmahon awesome and is this the first one he's done of the season right like i feel like i, I believe his, i mean yeah, he's gonna I, have I like have a chance to go back and he's check, gonna right? have final say on like every script so i'm sure yeah. like we've we felt his influence throughout the first four no of course but... he's the showrunner but i was just it was interesting that he wrote the middle this little nice yeah. little episode five uh because i feel like usually you get the opener and the closer you know like that's just the standard but you could do whatever you want like everything kind of you know all those all those things work but but i think the only thing i'd like to add is just that how powerful the message like star trek is all about like uh really you know not all about <laughs> i always say things like that one of the things that star trek is about or that i feel like stands out about star trek for me personally is uh this idea of redemption or like redemption rehabilitation right and in a very interesting and kind of uh unique way they were able to show us rutherford's story of redemption from being this like awful person i mean in the audience i think braxton mentioned how he pushed tendy i mean like he's violent and he was awful to barnes you know and if that's the way rutherford used to be then there is a redemption that took place sadly it's it's a little traumatic because what happened is he got messed up you know and so then he became a new a new person from this injury but even still uh, having to confront his past self, meet his past self, you know, like get to get to kind of, you know, reckon with his choices and stuff like that. And he was like so against it. He was like, no, stop. You know, I loved it. I loved the struggle. And then he was helpless. So to me, it was just uh, like amazing how this uh, show that's like, you know, I, I think of Lower Decks as the Star Trek show that's breaking new ground in a way that like you know i know that it we've had an animated show before but i'm talking specifically about the like intentional constant comedic aspect of the show and but here it got serious in in these like really remarkable ways that are very star trek to me that are at the core of like the star trek philosophy uh and then of course uh to me i think my favorite part of the episode even though the serious bits were all wonderful are the boimler just going out of control i loved it i just to me it was just like therapeutic well, in an great. odd way yeah, yeah it was, was super was great so <laughs> laughing my ass off during that just yeah, yeah I, I don't often comment on the writing or like the you know like the technical parts of the show i'm more like concerned with like the the story and the lore and just like how it ties into the the star trek universe as at large and and stuff like that but i have to say that this episode was an awesome flex uh by mike mcmahon because the, the boimler stuff just like killed me and it's so funny and meta and relevant and like there's just so many things that, that i've been in debates about <laughs> <laughs> you know and so so i love it i loved it that and that's my opening statement fabi <laughs> well, let's get into the episode breakdown and just start off with the the opening at the beginning we have that uh that cold open on rutherford's flashback dream we, we learn later that it's you know from i guess the 
too much cash building up in his implant and also the the other personality trying to break through but yeah we get right. glimpses of this this impulse engine exploding in his face and i i laughed at this when you know he wakes up from his nightmare screaming which you see a lot in tv i don't know if people ever actually like you know do this I've, i think i've mentioned i've done it before, i've done but, it but yeah when he screamed at them fedorov who just got a name last week but yeah towel guy <laughs> walking around in a towel he had like that that girly scream also when when rutherford like scared him i don't know that was just like a like the like the yeah, audio funny. gags like that are like really funny uh in the show so you know it started off on a great foot with me i was like enticed i was like oh my god we're getting like the rutherford backstory they said we were gonna delve into this in season three and they teased it in season two and this is so cool and then also like this this joke with fedorov so you know got on a great foot with me and we lose uh, we lose boimler and mariner for the uh, they're, they're gonna go do the b story so we'll talk about that later but uh but yeah th- th- there hasn't been as much rutherford spotlight until now so I'm, I'm glad that you know it's finally like his turn i'm sure there's this is all set up for more to come but the the use of tindy that I, I still think that they're trying to build eventually like a romantic relationship between tindy and rutherford in fact they kind of seem to be dragging their feet on that i, I was kind of thinking it might have uh blossomed by now but yeah she's the one who actually like clears the cash in his implant allowing mean young rutherford to to manifest so what what did you think when you first saw that implant change from a blue screen to a red screen and then he's uh, you know (laughs) acting acting behaving talking still kind of like rutherford but also noticeably very different what 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 did you think i was definitely excited i was like "Uh uh-oh what's this you know like that kind of thing but (laughs) immediately i thought it was interesting like because you know we know rutherford loves the ship and before we see the reflection uh and all that uh i thought it was interesting because i was like oh you know like there's these clues like he speaks different he's like using a kind of like different uh kind of slang if you will like i don't know he just seems gruffier uh or rougher around yeah, he's the rougher edges, around the edges yeah. yeah that's a good yeah, way of describing yeah. it like, um and so i was like whoa immediately struck by that and so i gotta say like that's pretty awesome that eugene cordero could like do the same character but with like just a slightly different take and you you can kind of see it and hear it in the performance which is cool but yeah i loved all this stuff <laughs> i was laughing when he was describing the nacelles on the yeah cerritos and like those are the criticizing ugliest the nacelle. yeah why why is engineering down there <laughs> this is one of the more meta episodes and it's meta in ways that i think really work and aren't like too like fourth wall breaky like i actually mm-hmm. you know see the stuff being in in universe and it, it was a lot of fun and another reason why i think i liked this episode so much i've, I've talked before about it. sometimes lord x is like a little too goofy for me that like i i feel like it doesn't kind of make sense for the star trek universe and so i i love the show but sometimes it does do that and it kind of you know pulls me out of it a bit but episodes like this where it like it never really crosses that line when the when the show doesn't do anything like that that bothers me i i really love the show it's like oh this is my favorite show that's on right now this is uh one of my <laughs> top five star trek shows of all time you know when it when it's not doing that stuff i love it so i yeah i was i was excited you know no, no, nothing to really bitch about in this episode joanna robertson in the audience uh says that i thought it was the mirror universe i had that same thought mm. i wondered for a second like but then i remembered the glitchy thing so i was like but yeah there was like for a moment i was like oh are we gonna get a because lord x hasn't done a mirror universe episode yet and i don't know if it's a good tradition that needs to keep going through all the star trek shows but <laughs> but so far picard did it and and you know, i love so the like, mirror universe but I, I feel like a little mirror universe out right now but we definitely got a glimpse of a mirror <laughs> a mirror uh, well, uh they, you know a different side they of, showed it uh, my excretus uh, on the holodeck they, that's right that's they showed right. us mirror oh, yeah, we got right. mirror rutherford there 
uh, when him and Mirror right. Billups are talking about uh, torturing makes them horny and being horny makes them want to torture or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I could lose a whole day in that cycle. <laughs> vicious cycle. But no, vicious I, cycle. for some reason, I pieced together almost immediately. This was like a past Rutherford memory. Like, oh, like, did he used to be a yeah. jerk? Did he, like, go, like, undercover as a as a good not not to spoil another sci-fi show babylon 5 but there's a character on babylon 5 who you learn like oh their entire personality was a lie and they're actually like this bad guy who like had like this new personality created so they could like go undercover uh, was, i thought like is it something like that or is it like his past self so i, I understood it pretty quickly uh what was happening but the young rutherford he, he he's still rutherford ish like when when like he's arguing with them like tell me when the security shift changes and rutherford's like no and he's like he's like okay fine 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 like 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 those little like mannerisms and stuff they're like they're different from rutherford but there's they're close enough that like like our rutherford is like okay after like he got brain damage and like made him nice but like this is you know when he when he was rough around the edges like you said like he was like this other dude so how old do you think red rutherford is he's in the academy so i don't i hate like calling him red a, rutherford by the way i see people doing that on the internet and it, it can, that's because uh, eugene cordero did it on did he do it on the ready room or something yeah yeah that's why everyone's doing <laughs> okay it. i was just gonna call him just young you know. rutherford but yeah red rutherford is uh that seems weird to me because he's i was like he's not it's like red. Red, like why red, are people red, saying that red rutherford is here his little eye i know but red, like though. that's such like a i wouldn't i don't look at him and like, i think like red that one's red is not here fathery Rutherford is not here. For this ain't no it's the red shining red, red rum <laughs> finger puppetry. All right, fine. Young no, Rutherford. We'll, we'll call him, we'll call him Red young... if that's what they're like officially using. But I'm not. A fa- I'm doing it under protest. <laughs> you hear that, Mr. Cordero? But uh, I think I think he's 18 or 19, and I think the other one is 28 or 29. Because they said like about a decade ago. Yeah, that's like a significant difference in sure, many yeah. people's lives, right? Like, yeah. So it 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 makes sense that. Even without the accident, you know, young Rutherford would have eventually become like a probably a more chilled out. Yeah, he would have matured. You know, I hopefully, version. yeah, he would have matured. But he was definitely like a but you know a hellraiser as a as a young. He's a wild 18, child, that guy. Yeah, but also kind of cringy, man. Like I was really upset at like his treatment of the ladies or just anyone. Ensign like, Barnes not, when know, like, when he was like, yeah, "Hey, Trill," like <laughs> that's yeah. that's really messed up terrible <laughs> yeah. i don't know like kind of like go all the way down so so terrible and then he was also uh he pushed tendy and it was like terrible and i don't know it was just he was awful awful person rutherford but like i said earlier redemption i think is a huge thing in star trek and so we kind of got to see that like yeah there was this awful person and look who he is now i mean you know? i don't know and, if i can agree cool with thing. that because to become like the current rutherford he basically had to get like brain damage memory erase like new personality so <laughs> i feel like he's he but is here that's like what a i'm saying person. is no, this no but that's what i'm saying is this episode kind of like does it in a episode like it does it in a way that like this is his moment this is how he confronts that even though he's no longer responsible I, for it in a way i think way. when he when he's dying like, you know he, like, mean, like, like, he admits that his way is wrong and the i guess if we're going to use the, this terminology that i i dislike and i'm doing it under protest but i'll go along <laughs> with it but like he admits like the blue rutherford was like okay you're going about life the right way i was going about life the wrong way right so yeah yeah i guess in a way like he does like redeem himself because he, he, he admits that he's wrong you know he sees the light until he does in like the crucial yeah. moment right at the end he sees something he sees uh, he sees a spark a bright future obviously he doesn't exist it's not like you can change the past this wasn't a time travel story you know what i mean but like in a weird way that's what i mean in a meta way i guess you could say uh it does that it gives us that story which is kind of cool that you you know to like 
put it in one episode. I liked how <laughs> like um how cold hearted they made him right at the beginning though, just to to show yeah. you the contrast. You know that he he literally makes Barnes cry. I'd want to punch that guy's face <laughs> like for real. Yeah, yeah, and he has like no remorse. And you know, like, and then you know, we're worried. Oh, he's gonna go after Tindy. You know, we're worried. The blue Rutherford and the reflections is worried. And when he's uh, you know, freaking out from Blue Rutherford punching himself in the face, you know, trying to scramble the implant or whatever. You know, Tindy's concerned. She's like, "What's going on with you?" When she tries to scan him, that's when he he shoves her. Yeah, I, I liked that. Uh, Shax and Tiana got to be like starfleet professionals they didn't they weren't played for jokes in this episode you know don't get me wrong i love when they're doing their crime play on the holodeck like last week i thought that was hilarious but you know here they're treated as like super serious uh starfleet officer type you know bridge crew characters they could have been on like any of like the legacy star trek shows you have uh, the uh shacks in pursuit of brotherford and that whole thing of like uh you're not going to be able to beam down with the ion field on on the planet but you know you should know that baby bear and (laughs) oh and he's like he's like uh my you call me baby bear that's lame oh yeah yeah my nickname is baby (laughs) bear baby bear (laughs) but uh you know the good rutherford blue rutherford's able to to stall long enough to stop red rutherford long enough for shacks to stun him which i'm a big fan of like yeah you can stun people in star trek just like whenever someone's causing problems just make them go take a nap just like, like stun, did you say something first, like ask questions later you know d- yeah didn't you say something like you'd, you'd probably stun people like just as a precaution like yeah <laughs> you just be like oh i don't like the look of you i'm stunning you. yeah i mean like there's, there's zero consequences <laughs> to stunning people right like i mean i guess they could like fall and like bump their head yeah they could bump their head but i mean like the yeah, medical technology is pretty good you can have that patched up by the time they wake up you know <laughs> but like you are taking away <laughs> they're, they're, it's not that there's zero consequences for stunning you are kind of taking away someone's agency a little like bit. in first contact so you... <laughs> when, when zephyr cochran's trying to like run away and Riker's just like we don't have time for this. <laughs> he's like, yes, it's like stun people. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Red <laughs> Rutherford is like really smart though. You know, he's he's a little conniver, isn't he? Because like, okay, yeah, the best thing to do if you're trying to escape the Cerritos is uh, beam to the captain's yacht, fly away on this fast warp capable ship. That's probably your your best shot at escape. So, and he likes racing around in fast little ships, as we'll see later. Yeah, he's an interesting character in that in that regard because uh, he was definitely a show off. We know Rutherford's very clever, but he's a lot more modest about it. Uh, yeah, and more of a team know, player, come, right? More of a team player as we've come to know him. So it is interesting to see this side of uh, Rutherford, and I do like that comes into play later with with the drag race or whatever. What do we call it? A uh, like the divorce? What was it? Devron race. The yes. Devron race. Like yeah, which cool. Devron is going to be interesting. Uh, Gorneg. There's a ton yeah, of Gorneggs, totally. but the, if you don't know, those are our Easter eggs in jokes and continuity connections. I like to go over those at the end of the show. So there was a lot packed. This is almost like going back to season two. Um, what was it? Kayshawn, his arms open or whatever. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a lot. But I guess let's get into, like, the Mindscape stuff. Yeah, that's, like, a, such a great part. <laughs> we have Rutherford in a coma in sickbay. Dr. Tiana tells us, uh, yeah, something weird going on in his brain, like, two different sides. Uh, we need a, tr- a dominant personality trying to come up to the surface. One from about a decade ago. So the show is still in the year 20. 20- 
2381. Don't believe Memory Alpha. Memory Alpha says 2382, but the, the people who edit Memory Alpha are, are too stupid to understand star dates, which a lot of the Star Trek writers are also. Um, but but yeah, it's still, it's still 2381. So about a decade ago, that would be like around like season one Voyager, around like the time of like Star Trek Generations, like season three Deep Space Nine. So I guess that would have been like around the time, you know, uh, Rutherford's a first year cadet. But your decade could be like give or take a year or two. Um, mm. she might not know like the exact in fact if you look at like some of the com badges later it kind of looks like it might should have been even earlier but we get a nice little explanation later about all the uniforms i can't wait but go on sorry <laughs> but it was nice being able to see the the young rutherford see we can't call him red rutherford when they're in the mindscape because he doesn't have the implant yet so there's nothing red well, we can we can be dynamic and call him young young Rutherford okay. for for when we talk about these scenes. Okay, <laughs> I loved uh, in that mindscape thing the that like the horizon or the sky was the brain like was a brain basically. Yeah, um, that was pretty cool. Like, Instead of just being me. like the the white void we've all seen like a thousand times. Uh, right, that was, that was cool to put like a little bit of a, a unique spin on it. I have never seen something quite like that before. Yeah, it was a very neat choice. I liked it. And I was it like thundering and lightning or is that my imagination? I feel like that might have been something. There was something going on like activity or something like that. But yeah, but that scene where they're like figuring out how the imagination works, like that also ties in really nicely. Like it was just, I like the way it layered, um, you know, they kind of layered it and like it, like what well, they like, um, you know, after they like fetched their favorite tricorder or whatever, yeah. you know, like and Rutherford, one of the T88 from like from the Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. <laughs> the cool one with the purple stripe. And we see like their garage where they used to build the, the hot rods. A hideaway garage that Rutherford like kept uh, and went to uh, while he was in the academy and d- d- made these like, you know, racing uh, vehicles, I guess, which is interesting. Did you recognize the ships other than the Delta Flyer? Like, did you recognize that one ship that was in his garage that he was building? I guess it was the one. That's what he completes later. That's what it must be. It must be the uh, um, the, ship the Sampa Gita. The Sampagita, Which, let's yeah, say, yeah. I, think that's I, I didn't know what that word meant, but it's like it's a Filipino flower. It's the national flower, if I'm not mistaken. Is of the this Philippines. the first yeah. time that I've always assumed that Rutherford is Filipino because uh, Eugene Cordero is Filipino? But is this the first time they've confirmed it within the show? As far as I'm aware, it's the first time. I mean, I guess it still isn't a confirmation, but I mean, like, if you name your ship the Sampagita, you're probably Filipino, right? And if I'm not mistaken, Samantha is probably it's a very uh, like distinctly Filipino name, but I'm not sure. That'd be news to me. I think that they were just trying to give everyone like silly first names, like Bradward. Oh, is that right? Like Bradward? Oh, okay. Or uh, what, what's Billups's for? Uh, and because uh, they call him Andy, I'm... but it's like Andrella. I feel or like something. I've known a Bradward though, and I feel like I've also known a Samantha. Hold on. Okay, I've never known either. I'm not saying that it ain't out there, but not not very common. Oh, so Saman- Samantha is a real name meaning serene, I think. And I'd have to look a little further. I'd have to Google a little further. But it says it says the name might actually have Hebrew origin. So told by God. So actually hmm. not Filipino, but <laughs> so there we go. Good, good old Google. Thanks a lot. <laughs> we get some explanations in here, though. Of, like, why has this implant always been buggy? Why did Rutherford like pears for a little bit all of a sudden? Yeah, he like says that was me trying to get through. Yeah. That was interesting. Why did he like 
all of a sudden like he was like into barnes again like maybe maybe uh the young rutherford red rutherford maybe like, maybe he's the one who is really attracted to barnes that was him trying to you know his personality trying to come through if we look at it from that sense of like yeah he's had this like personality locked in it's like a another layer i guess we could add to this episode is like the multiple personalities and he's been suppressing one personality so yeah it leaks through here and there the one thing that doesn't track that doesn't make sense is that in the first episode of the show second contact when they introduce rutherford you know they're like showing tindy around the ship and mariner's like oh look it's rutherford what's up rutherford you got that date with ensign barnes tonight and rutherford's talking about like his implant is being glitchy but he's talking about like it's like a new implant and like okay if, if you had like this accident like a decade ago like how was that implant new just last year like well we don't see the implant that they actually put on him so maybe they'll when when we get more flashbacks we'll see a, a slight difference in it but it is interesting because it's a vulcan implant yeah and that's that's an interesting thing too like why would he have a vulcan or had, had like, they like upgraded know, like, it had they erased more of his memory at some point maybe there's a at plan some point, yeah. i wouldn't put it past mike mcmahon because he does seem to be a dude with plans who thinks about this type of shit a lot <laughs> so i don't know, maybe maybe it will make sense but maybe not we'll just have to be patient on that one and, and wait and see yeah I, I think it's cool because uh, I like mysteries. You know, the the series, we're only in season three. And so assuming the show will go on for five or more seasons. Mike you know, says he wants to do five. seven. Seven. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So assuming the show goes on for seven seasons, you know, we have plenty of time, as you said, uh, to build up to that. But I do love when you get a lot of uh, questions answered about a mysterious character, but then you have more questions after as well and this episode does that kind of beautifully it like answered a lot of questions but now i'm like oh wait but yeah like what we were talking about now like what what's the deal like who is he working for like you know what was their plan like why were they using him you know why'd they need this like you know hotshot engineer brain <laughs> you know uh and what was he doing it, it's very interesting <laughs> it does feel like a little a little weird this is like the problem you have with like dreamscape stuff is like shouldn't like in like a dream world like things just be like super weird and i, I guess it would just get too crazy if you didn't try to present it as like somewhat grounded in reality it's kind of like the problem with like inception inception is a movie that takes place within dreams but people are just like driving cars and shooting guns and it doesn't get into like weird uh you know crazy uh if you just like imagine anything territory but their way to resolve their conflict here figure out who will be able to take over the rutherford consciousness uh they're going to do a engineer off by seeing who can build and pilot the best the best fastest racing ship but it kind of plays by like you know like the rules of reality i i assume you know like they are still like impulse engines doing impulse things if you get shot by the romulan disruptors it's like an actual like damage to your ship for me it it tracked with like a, a dream like uh reality but it was more close to like a holodeck simulation but mm. maybe it's because i thought i i thought of it more as like not necessarily like Im imagination but like looking into actual memories you know obviously the delta flyer isn't but like some of the scenes like in the garage and like these are like things that he's now constructing from actual memories and seeing them maybe for the first yeah, time or something and like now that like i talk about this out loud with someone and it occurs to me that if anyone would like be sticklers for like how the science actually works it would probably be like engineers like even in their right. even in their dreams all like the rules of of physics right. would, would apply and everything would apply yeah it would i would say that the majority of my dreams that i remember 
uh, are dreams that are like really mundane, like having a conversation with someone and not being able to remember what I was talking about or being at a place that I've been to before, you know, that when I wake up, they don't seem like reality, but they do seem like it was close. Most people don't have like big budget dreams. I do sometimes, but I know like I'm kind of like I'll have dreams that have like dragons (laughs) or dinosaurs in them or stuff like that. Uh, But I know like uh, it's kind of it's kind of weird. But even me, like not all my dreams are like that. Most are not. This was definitely a big budget type of imagination (laughs) dream trip down uh, memory lane. Not if you live in the Star Trek universe, because you see like, you know, spaceships flying around and stuff like that all the time. So it would be mundane to them. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. What did you think when you saw the uh, the Delta Flyer as someone who is uh, just kind of exploring the later seasons of Voyager for the first time now in recent years? Uh, I actually love the ship, but w- what was your reaction to it? Yeah, I'm really kind of looking for it, actually. It's one of the most beautiful ships of modern kind of Star Trek, like as far as like uh, a smaller you know style ship goes. I love the Delta Flyer design, and I'm really bummed out that I never pushed the button and got the model from eagle moss so i, I gotta find oh it i have one it looks can... the shuttles awesome. look great because yeah, they're they all look great they're, they're a little, yeah. little bit more detailed because you know they're they're smaller so the the scale is yeah they're uh starfleet boy has, looks like he has like the the danube runabout yeah I have, I have a lot of the shuttles i love the shuttles they're they're awesome the delta flyer so, yeah. would be my favorite single shuttlecraft slash runabout Type. slash small ship and in, in star trek yeah, ever. it's not tiny i mean like like if you see someone standing next to it, it's pretty big the reason yeah. why it's not my favorite is because the inside is bigger than the outside and it, <laughs> it kind of now that like i've figured that out it bothers me every time i i see it did you feel like they stuck to that or did they adjust it like did they fix it no it's uh, never I feel... it's never fixed it's oh really? yeah like i figured it out when voyager was like still on the air and it it it's well, it, it okay, if we're going to talk lot. about that, Father, I feel like there's a, a long-running gag about the Voyager uh, uh, shuttle bay being just, like, way more expansive yeah. than it than it could possibly yeah, be. Yeah, the Delta Flyer <laughs> and Neelix's ship, neither one should fit in the Voyager <laughs> shuttle bay. Yet they both do. There's nothing in the secondary hole. It's all shuttle bay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, but anyways, yeah... I think you answered your own question, I guess, about uh, <laughs> about the accuracy of dreams. But there is wild shit going on in this race. Uh, by the way, I wanted that race uh, sequence. I want that as a video game, like, but like mm. Super Nintendo style, like, like. Oh you know, like yeah. Not even like. I want it. You know I want I mean? it, but like, I want it in like sixteen bit graphics. <laughs> sixteen bit graphics, yeah. Like, Which would be but weird, with mode seven because by like, the time with... <laughs> Voyager was on the air, you know, like, like by the time the Delta Flyer came into existence, like PlayStation and Nintendo sixty four would have been around, but. Yeah, Maybe like it could have been like a Game Boy game or something from like 1999 yeah. or 2000. All I know is I want this game. I feel like this game should be fast tracked to production and offered on. I mean, with the Romulan Warbird and every like, I want it all. <laughs> this race is actually based on something that's in a Voyager season seven episode. But so oh yeah, so does this make you excited to watch more Voyager? It does actually. So that's cool. I and I did know. I feel like I did. I think I know about that episode, and so it was pretty delightful because I've always admired those uniforms. I haven't seen them yet. I don't mm. think. Uh, I yeah, don't think it's uh, yet, one but... of the first. See, it's an episode called Drive. I'll talk about it in the Gorn Eggs, I guess. But it's all right. Season seven, episode two, episode three, episode four, somewhere there near the beginning. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, in the in the <laughs> dream, they added the complication of the I guess Romulan Warbird to add some uh, 
intensity to, to the race. That would be like a very daring way to race, though. Is like, oh, you're we're gonna race in the neutral zone. Romulans might decloak and start shooting at us. So you know, like, are, are yeah. you brave enough to race the Devron system race? You know that the that's Devron really cool. run, the Devron run. <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love the reason why uh, Good Rutherford, Blue Rutherford, is able to triumph is that he uh, values friendship, he values camaraderie, he values his shipmates, teamwork, all of that good stuff. You know, I love like the solidarity message, the friendship message, all that stuff that like Lower Dex does so much. So yeah, when when he has his whole little crew on the Delta Flyer, and to make it like even more Starfleet, on top of that, he is like oh, this guy's getting shot up. Let's beam him on board. Let's save him. And and Rutherford is like, he's so sweet and so nice and so innocent. And he's like, he's like trying to save his like evil dickhead past self. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's, true. Uh, it's 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 really quite touching. I, I got pretty uh, emotional during, uh, I, I guess, like, like the death scene stuff. But that's where we get the extended flashback where we see uh, the additional context. Not everything, but... Wow, that's gory. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't see a, a. That's crazy. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the uh, injury is is pretty uh, nasty looking. That explosion did a did a number to him. Oof. But we saw a glimpse of this back in uh, in season two in the finale episode, first first contact when he had he had to delete stuff. You know, then he kept getting those pop up errors on his implant because he had too many backups saved of all his. His yeah. good memories with Tindy. So when he was dealing with that, we we got a glimpse, at, and some of this dialogue can be heard. Then I have like the whole the whole conversation here, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna recite it to you, and then ask what you think about this. But these these shady people installing the implant. We it, one is in a red TNG era command uniform, but the the conversation goes: This is going to set us back years. How much do you want to erase everything that has to do with me or the program? That's a lot. He'll come out with a totally different personality. I don't care. What do we do if someone asks why he has it? We programmed that in. He'll think it was elective. With all of this additional context now to the Rutherford mysteries, uh, what, what do you think is going on here? I think, uh, so where did we place this around? Um, when you said like the 10 years prior, it was like around DS9 season three. You yeah. Said? Even though he, so he has, the guy has the com badge from like seasons one and two of DS9, or like all of next generation. Well, where w- but when did TNG, TNG ended before this? So it would have taken place around gen- generations, right. perhaps? But, you know, in generations, so- they had already switched over to the Voyager com badge. But maybe, maybe this guy has has like the old combat from like six months earlier well you've been watching ds9 what big fresh thing uh could could this guy be a part of that was like a conspiracy or like a big deal um uh in that it would have been around the time that uh first contact with the dominion was made Mm. and we are going to ds9 next week i wonder if there's going to be some clues to rutherford's past tying into events from could DS9. Be. I don't like, I don't yeah. particularly think that that would be the case but I might be wrong I know that next week's supposed to be more of a tindy focused episode right on I guess also around this time the Maquis were really getting uh, they like the Maquis were really popping off for the first time there's a Gorneg of Ensign Rowe you have that one oh okay I'll tell you I, yeah I didn't I'll, I didn't catch I'll, any Ensign Rowe stuff but yeah this would okay, have been like around I the time I heard def- def- <laughs> defection to the Maquis you know shortly after that uh, the end of next generation so it'd be interesting like if uh Rutherford uh based on his like personality and the way that he acted back then 
was a somehow involved in some kind of like Maquis infiltration be, thing, like how Tuvok he, was or whatever. The Maquis always, you know, even though they're supposed to be like these badass renegades, they always come off as like very principled in like their own way. And this this mm-hmm. Rutherford seems a little too selfish and too much of a loner. But maybe he runs, like maybe he acts acts like a runner of some kind. Like you know, maybe you yeah, know, the maybe like they were like not... panel and ship parts or something. Like yeah, yeah, he could have had something to do with them, but or I don't know. But like also, uh, he says the program. Right. Set back the program. So that kind of so, makes it sound like something like Section Thirty One ish, but I ish. I think that's yeah. a little too obvious. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say like I don't think this is Section Thirty One. I think it's like some other bad role type activity. I wonder if the audience has any ideas. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear but... people's theories. Um, because I I suspect we'll be speculating on this. You know, well after season three, we'll we'll still be trying to figure out what exactly happened here. It's a good mystery drop. Uh, I like it. It's very interesting. And also I like, I like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if any of it will come to the past, but it's an era that we know about. So whatever is happening is, is happening during a time that we like in the history of like stuff we've seen. So it's interesting. I got emotional at the, the death of like the younger Rutherford because, because of the way where he's like, don't lose those friends and thanks for one last race. And uh, that 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 really like hit me hard, and then especially after that when he wakes up and he says, "When you know, Tindy's like, you know, Rutherford, are you okay?" And he says, "Yeah, I'm okie dokie." And then like she breaks down and starts <laughs> crying, just like out of relief. Yeah, yeah. like that, that made me tear up a little bit. And then we know like Shax and Tiana have this relationship, and then like you see like them on like the side of the screen. Shax puts his hand on Tiana's shoulder, like as they're like watching like this touching moment. It's like all of that just uh yeah, it was it was pretty moving. It it made me tear I'm getting like, you know, goosebumps now, uh talking about watching it for the first time and my reaction. So Yeah, I cried both times that I watched uh the episode this week and uh got really emotional the third time. <laughs> yeah, so it really that that hit me too. It was good. It was just damn good it was a good moment. <laughs> you know, it was like really really touching. I have one last thing on the I guess Rutherford A story before we talk about the Mariner and Boimler B story but just kind of like the theme and the message here of yeah like you know we do change and like the person that you were like that like that past self that part of you kind of has to die for like the new you to exist but you know it's important to like remember that stuff and the fact that like you're different now it means that like you've learned and that you've grown and that's you know kind of like a natural process and honestly like a good thing so i i like that being um illustrated and explored uh, here in this episode on a personal level i can definitely relate i feel like if uh older Starfleet boy went back and met younger Starfleet boy he'd be like you're a dick <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> i would i would uh hey, i would not be as kind to my past self as rutherford was when he's like yeah you know like when he's like you know can too. i save you do we need to like merge together do we need to integrate <laughs> uh i don't know if i would be like no young father you're an asshole like st- i'd be like i'd be like i have no idea how you made it to yeah. my age young like like 18 19 year old me like i thought i was like so smart like i thought like i knew so i was like no like you were so stupid we were pack leads that thought we were like it's like the the older i've gotten i've just like i've 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 come to understand how dumb i am like over time like that's kind of like that's what I, i i've learned how little i know you know some some might say father that that is the true uh truth and wisdom uh there that you're speaking <laughs> yeah and oh i know i said that like i was all done with the stuff but i just thought of, like one last thing the notion of like merging them together would be like killing them both uh, i agree and that's why it would have been wrong not to save neelix and tuvok in tuvix i think janeway did the right thing i'm gonna stand by that so 
there you go i yeah 100 percent. i don't even know why that's even a question yeah. <laughs> if if me and starfleet boy got merged together i <laughs> beg you like please like unmerge us like please yes, <laughs> it would be I the right live. thing to do i i give all the janeways out there permission to kill uh uh father hale or <laughs> what, yeah, what yeah father we... hell <laughs> father hell <laughs> <laughs> all right on that note let's move on over to the b story with so good with mariner <laughs> and boimler having to do uh recruitment at the job fair i like i like to go back to uh what is it Tulunga four right is the name of the planet tolgana tolgana i'm sorry Tulgana. Tulgana. Yeah. Was... father boy says uncle arthur by the way <laughs> that's, that's weird that's isn't like... it it kind of works <laughs> though yeah it's good yeah, it's thanks good thanks for that <laughs> Yeah, Tolgana for the first episode, right? Like their second episode. Yeah, Envoy is the second yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of like it's a very like American experience. I don't know what it's like in other countries, but the military like loves to recruit. You know, they'll come in like our high schools and be like, "Hey, teenager, yeah. you want to go like serve in the armed forces?" And it kind of reminded me like a bit of that. But uh, yeah, like the it was fun seeing like all the different people set up at the job fair and the interesting thing of like Mariner being forced, like you know she's still on that probationary period you know she's not allowed to mess up anymore so if she doesn't do a good job she's going to starbase 80 and they remind us that at the beginning <laughs> of the episodes you know that the high stakes so the fact that she's having like put a lot of effort into promoting starfleet and making it sound like a cool thing and everything and then having to defend it with her uh her foil for this episode we get the archaeologist uh, petra aberdeen love her she's up there with vash for me <laughs> yeah she's <laughs> like, very much inspired her. by vash yeah yeah totally uh, from, uh, you know picard's uh archaeologist fling from a couple tng episodes but yeah the 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 trolling of mariner was kind of funny what what does uh petra say uh that, you know she she talks that tellerite <laughs> out of enlisting she calls she says like uh oh like you're not gonna have windows like there's no, like ask her about the windows or something yeah like you're that. gonna be in a room like, with no window because he's like do i have to go to the academy seven years yeah that's like, like no you can be an nco you know like chief o'brien you can be a transporter yeah. chief and then and then petra's like oh yeah and you have to like by the way spend seven years in a room with no windows nco stands for non-commissioned officer that's right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but but yeah it's hilarious that like every and then and then uh who is the one uh where she says though like uh you'll turn into a borg or something yeah <laughs> she just like she tells like, like the the andorian dude like uh that's right <laughs> yeah like starfleet officers get assimilated all the time <laughs> and then they're having to like take shit from the uh from the collectors and and the conspiracy theorist and oh there was also the gag about um a pseudo navy that made me laugh so much too like the that they addressed like some of these like the meta debates. stuff because i the meta stuff yeah it was like because it, it actually makes sense <laughs> that some of these conversations you know we have in the fandom like his starfleet of military they would have them in universe 100 yeah. percent. yes <laughs> like the layman the outside of starfleet person would totally be asking questions like these people yeah were. and you're know, like and you know we can't even like make up our minds on that so you know the people in, in the universe <laughs> Uh, might also be like a little uh, divided on that. These truthers were hilarious. Too. <laughs> yeah, the the conspiracy theorists like they they found out about like the conspiracy bugs, but somehow they got it twisted that they're they go up your butt instead of in your mouth. But I love that. I love that. Boiler's like, uh, 
oh that never happened and then uh and then and then mariner's like well no actually it might have happened but now boiler thinks they were butt bugs like it's just like really funny. yeah I, and i like that felt real too that like mariner had like kind of had like some awareness of it i mean like her dad is an admiral so who knows what she right, has, she's right. privy to <laughs> um and the, the collector is talking shit to them <laughs> You know, I've I've commented before how Lower Decks loves to do, like, this misdirect type joke. And I've gotten to the point where, like, I get a little flustered with those because I see so many of them coming before they happen. I did not see this, like, Boimler <laughs> snapping instead of Mariner. It looks obvious now looking back because, you know, the whole episode's going, like, Mariner's about to lose it. Mariner's about to lose it. Mariner's about to lose it. But, no, it's Boimler who goes crazy. But it felt so true to his character. Like, yes, like, he loves Starfleet. If Like, if you, you disrespect his rank, Pip, that, especially now that he's bold, Boimler, like, yes, this is the thing that would make him go psycho like this. <laughs> and it's so satisfying because, you know, we as, as Star Trek fans, you know, like, yeah, we, we want to defend Starfleet, too, you know, so when we, we I've see gone him... psycho like this. <laughs> yeah, and the, and like the rant, <laughs> yeah, the dialogue, like the way that Jack Quaid delivered it, it like it was just some of the most so hilarious good. stuff I've ever I've ever seen in Star Trek. <laughs> I I laughed out loud at the line about, you know, the, the doctor, like, the doctor didn't spend seven years in the Delta Quadrant for you fucks to question his agency. He's got rights. And it's so profane. Like, they're, like, beeping out so much. Like, like he told a Ferengi to go beep. And, like, I, I, this, this is possibly the most profane episode ever. Not counting, like, Dr. Tiana's dialogue. But, like, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And I love that the, the one ends, the one, not ends, sorry, the one guy, the, the, would be recruit was like uh like is that guy in Starfleet <laughs> at first yeah, he was yeah. he was a cool that gray uh, alien do, do we know the species yeah but I don't yeah, I don't know but we've so seen cool. them before there was one on the Dove last week but I don't think the species has a name I think they're a creation of Lower Decks there's a couple oh, I like they're, them I feel like they're a little shiny like uh there's a metal metallic every, every them, season like, I think they they plan to introduce like a new species of, of like background alien it's very cool well that was hilarious when 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 they were like uh is he in, is he in starfleet because he's real i want that kind of confidence yeah. i'll sign up for do, do you guys do engineering right yeah we have a whole division for that <laughs> well sign me up you know like <laughs> that the the enthusiasm there and uh, you know mariner was doing a good job recruiting she was like getting some signatures on them pads so ransom walked in at the perfect moment he was yes. expecting to see mariner like dude and like when he saw like folks were all around the booth like signing up and taking uh pads and stuff like that in the yeah when, when he's, he's walking like, off of the shuttle he's like all right mariner you better be in that booth you know getting some signatures and then he sees that i have to say i feel the wins for mariner like when she gets a moment like this like it, it feels really rewarding like i like the idea i know i know she's a rebel and i want her to be one too but it also feels nice when like people are like oh wow mariner's awesome like she's doing her job you know like it's a cool feeling to for her to for her to get that moment. <laughs> yeah, and there there is some other like cool stuff down here. Like I liked that there was like uh, a person from the Crystal Planet from uh was it the third episode of the show, uh Temporal Edicts, but they're asking like how often do you collect dilithium? And and right. there's like tons of crystals all the time and stuff and um <laughs> and what else was was going on down here that I liked? Oh, the uh go back in time to save earth bit when mariner's like that's only happened oh, yeah, four that's... or five times how many times has that <laughs> happened by the way we have a like city on the edge of forever star trek four first contact archer had to go back to detroit and like stop the uh the zindi from when when did you have to go back to like oh, save assignment earth, did you already say assignment earth? they didn't have to go back to uh to save earth though they, oh, to they save went back earth. for like okay. historical research 
Right. So yeah, I think I think that's actually accurate. That's only like four or five times. Five times. Yeah, that's really funny. But yeah, Ransom sees Mariner doing a good job, and then he sees uh, Boimler just <laughs> Look going at the, crazy, the towering. I love it. Yeah, people are like terrified <laughs> of him. The conspiracy truthers are like hiding behind a table, <laughs> telling Ransom like, "I think that guy has butt bugs." Uh, but, but yeah, it was it was hilarious. <laughs> that's that so good. <laughs> But he was great. Jack Quaid delivered an awesome freak out. <laughs> yeah, I wish that I could have like seen him like recording this because I bet I bet that would just be fun to just watch. Ooh, maybe that'll be on the Blu-ray. The, that'll it be should fun. be. Yeah, that'd be incredible. I don't know if they record. Do you think they record video at the sessions? Uh, well, it would they, help the animators. They do I bet, like right? a. Uh, yeah. I don't think they they do that out of habit. But like I know that when they record, they they all record like at home and they uh, record with someone like on a call with them like on like skype or zoom or something i know that mike mcmahon is there for at least for like tawny and probably jack i don't know if he's there for like every single voice actor but he's there he's there for them but uh but yeah i see in our live audience linda mark says that she loved the mention of the doctor and yeah i really like that too Uh, but that was my biggest laugh out loud moment this whole episode and uh thomas is pointing out there are so many uh familiar uh aliens uh, that we see down here and new ones yeah like so many different species and yeah it's cool but i don't know if i have anything else on the uh the b story stuff do you have do you have anything else to, to add before we talk about the the ending no but just uh going through that scene like uh made me realize i want to go and watch it again it's so good it's so, it's so fun yeah. it, it was such a like the build-up and then payoff of it all it, it, it was so effective uh it, it, one of one of my favorite moments in the show of all time it just happens to be in, in you know an episode that uh made made me enjoy rutherford so much more so yeah this episode oh and another thing like i mentioned there's nothing in, in this episode that felt like too weird or too goofy or too silly for the star trek universe for me so nothing for me to like nitpick or bitch about on that front so yeah just all around like this was this was just a great experience one of my favorite episodes of the show and the best of the season thus far in my opinion yep i agree with that but in the the ending uh we have bold boimler being sent to the brig and you know boimler's little embarrassed he's telling ransom you know i hope i didn't lose any respect i hope you don't think less of me but ransom's like oh i I think that's really cool that you know you were repping starfleet like that and yeah when when you're out of the brig let's go get a drink i want you to tell me about it so uh, that was cool and then you know instead of mariner being the one in the brig she is the one being the responsible starfleet officer there are little graffiti inside of the brig there's the little cartoony crayon drawing of mariner's hq castle but now <laughs> next to it we have boimler's guest house and everyone is just hanging around next to the brig on the on the outside of the force field instead of visiting with mariner visiting with with boimler so that was that was a cool little um twist on a on a familiar type scene and reminding us that the rutherford mystery continues they they know that was some big starfleet high-ranking officer from 10 years ago who is responsible for his implant but they don't know who so that that mystery will continue yep i think uh i'm excited about that mystery a lot i think it's gonna be really neat for for the show i like the i like this where it's headed (laughs) so far yeah you know like i said like i don't know if we'll get more of the the rutherford mysterious backstory stuff in season three they might be saving it for you know season four before we get more info on it but there's uh there's definitely there's definitely something to be had there so it's uh it's a it's a good way to you know keep us invested i like that you know these characters grow that it feels organic uh i'm also you know really curious what's going to happen with bold boimler and uh, with with mariner you know is she going to learn to be a uh more functional starfleet officer you know here we 
we have her going and doing the the mission log at the end of the episode the the very end final scene but she gets that call from petra who is like yeah i was only being an asshole to cause a distraction so i could rescue the Negus staff from the museum down there but you seem to be pretty cool so if you ever want to leave starfleet and kind of sounds like you want to given your past you know you can always uh, become an independent archaeologist like me you know save my number and, and mariner saves the contact info and has this kind of uncertain look on her face we we last see her looking out the window unsure about her future so let me ask you you know do you think that mariner might end up you know leaving starfleet she does seem to have like a way out so what's going to happen with this you know whether she does it or not i like this scene because for me it, it reminded me that there are other options for these characters like maybe she's not a fit for starfleet maybe that's what she's been fighting this whole time is that like you know maybe mariner's just not mariner is just not a starfleet person i mean she she has like a lot of legacy with it with her parents being you know so important you know you have an admiral and a captain that's a big deal you know and mm -hmm. so you know it reminds me of like perhaps uh in you know in real life, I see it, you know, with military families, kind of like generational military families are such a thing, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, so, so it's like, it, it, it reminds me of that a little bit. So I do like the idea, but in, in, in general, whether you want to look at it from that lens or just the lens of like, you know, going off and doing your own thing or versus, you know, doing what everyone else does. And Mariner clearly, I think she's been giving it a fair shot doing the play by the rules thing. But maybe she's destined for other things. I like the idea of Mariner becoming like an archaeologist too, for some reason. Like that like a space archaeologist just seems like a cool fate for her in the future. So I don't know. But there is also part of me that's like, I want to see her, you know, get captain. Any of my favorite characters, of course, I want to see them become a captain one day. But I do like that there's this option for this character that's not that. <laughs> I think it is very good drama to to give her this option. You know, I I don't know exactly what's gonna happen here, but I think that she'll end up, you know, staying in Starfleet. I don't know if she might leave temporarily. You know, Boimler left the ship before and came back. Uh, I think something like that might happen. I'm also, I'm curious, like, what if she continues to do, like, a really good job and she does everything right and is being, like, the good Starfleet officer people seem to want her to be, but then, like, something, something blows up, something doesn't quite work out, and she catches, like, the blame for something, even though, like, she was, like, trying and, like, do, doing, you know, all the right things or whatever. And because like she like catches blame for something like she's like, you know what, you know, screw this. I'm going to I'm going to bounce you know, something like that. I know that Tawny Newsome is in season four, though. Like, she's talking about like recording the, the dialogue for season four and stuff. So she she'll still be in the show. I don't think that she's leaving the ship. But yeah, it might be a temporary thing. I just think that Mike McMahon, how he's making the show such a big love letter to Star Trek, though, and and to, you know, like the people who do like the little unimportant jobs on the ships that we don't tend to see much of and all the other shows. You know, the fact that that's kind of like the whole premise of, of the thing, I think that it'll eventually end up with her wanting to be there and, you know, embracing it and finding like the the good stuff in Starfleet. You see, I never I never thought of it as like potentially having less Tawny. I didn't think that th I think this is a seed planting for the end of the series you know what i mean like i think this is like a the kind of thing or maybe like a midlife crisis a mid-series crisis <laughs> you know like she might leave starfleet for a little while or, right and and then perhaps come back or something like that but i didn't think of it as like tawny you know or, or yeah. Mariner yeah they're not they're not involved. getting rid of tawny newsome like she's yeah I, I do I do see in the audience though folks are saying like I don't want this group to to break up but I feel like this show's give at least this season is giving us the strongest kind of vibes of that you know uh, that like not not necessarily that we'll see them you know kind of 
grow apart during the series but at, i feel like the end of the series has to end with them maybe going off to do other assignments like finally yeah, it, actually it's like a separating like you know, high school like, graduation you know? you know like you different people right. go do different stuff and yeah i, I, th- yeah. I think they are going to be separated at some point you know maybe eventually they come back together and they all serve on the same ship in the future but yeah I'm, I'm definitely very curious about like the future of all four of these people you know where will they end up it uh just it's such a great hook you know to keep me watching uh season after season the trajectories that they set these people on it definitely it feels like there there's movement that they are going somewhere that they are changing that they are growing as people yeah the characters are really evolving and you know one thing that's interesting is that like you know i think the show is interesting in the sense that like well i don't know about you but like i've had previous jobs where i'm still in touch with some of those folks like a group of them and we all get together pretty regularly and stuff like that and so i feel like there's got to be like that you know you know jean-luc wasn't a good example he didn't stay in touch with marta or you know like folks or maybe he did maybe they had a maybe they had a weekly conference call that we never saw on screen you know like all his buddies from from ensign days or whatever you know so i think that that would be interesting if lower decks like you know continued to lower decks the movie and it's like these guys are like on their next assignments or whatever you know i don't know it's like (laughs) but but they're definitely gonna grow apart i know that like not necessarily as friends but like from each other in terms of their proximity they're gonna grow apart because they'll they'll definitely be assigned to other things eventually it's just how life is yeah and i i can definitely see that message and that theme being incorporated into the the story of the show you know it it almost seems like kind of an obvious place to take it not saying that it's it's certain but i i think that's a, a strong likelihood you know mariner having the opportunity to leave starfleet is interesting because there's always kind of been like this question lingering like why does she stay in starfleet you know she doesn't like following the rules she's really good right. at like the the space exploration and like solving problems helping people all that stuff but she's not good at like this hierarchy she's not good at you know uh, staying in line and and minding her manners and following orders like a good little soldier that's not her so why does she do it why does she stay in starfleet and maybe this is you know like the family pressure like that's kind of what she felt she was expected to do so she's just like went along with it is she going to be like oh i'm unfulfilled by this i need to do something else or the the other possibility is like by the end of this like she'll come out being like oh now i know why i prefer being in starfleet why i love it why i could never bring myself to leave uh and you know maybe this could also you know lead to a um a validation of her staying in starfleet and and make her grow that way yeah, I, I I dig that too. I want her. I, I I want her to be happy ultimately as a character. So whatever makes Mariner happy is gonna be awesome. But but it would be interesting because uh, I think I don't know if we have too many characters like that. That you know, other than like Ensign Rowe or like who else is a character that like leaves Starfleet? You know, I guess Jean Luc in a way. Uh, FYI, Rowe like... was a lieutenant when she left. But oh, sorry, Lieutenant Rowe. <laughs> 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 but you know what i mean like there's not a lot of characters that leave you know I, so it'd be interesting but yeah i don't know it was very compelling i like petra though i think uh, petra is also uh someone who i think mariner could learn from and and learn things that she couldn't learn in starfleet you know yeah i'm curious to see what happens there i'm curious to see what happens with bold boimler i'm curious to see what happens with rutherford's implant mysteries i'm curious to see what happens with uh tindy's growth into a science office it sounds like not only science officer she's transitioning to like from medical to science but specifically to be like 
a senior science officer. They, they even in this episode, or no, it was last week's episode. I guess they talk about her being a bridge officer someday. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that growth. Which we don't get a ton of Tindy in this episode, but she did get like my big, like biggest emotional moment, where I was like really teary eyed, was when Boimler tells her, uh, "Yeah, I'm okie dokie," and she like cries in relief. Uh, and I know next week, the big DS9 episode that I am so anticipating. I've been waiting 23 years, Starfleet Boy, to go back home to my beloved Cardassian <laughs> space station. But Tindy's going to get some spotlight next week. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. I Like I said at the top of the show, you know, things are very balanced. I feel like we're getting a lot with all four of our leads. Obviously, it skews more towards Mariner and Boimler, but uh, the, the Rutherford and Tindy stuff has been great this season as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I don't know if you have any... Other final thoughts before we go into this monster of a Gorneg section of the show? Just just that uh, I love these discussions because they make me see things, uh, so many fun things in the audience here. And uh, I'm sure we'll see more comments on Twitter and stuff like that. But just seeing things from new perspectives and, and in different ways. But also just how awesome this episode, it reaffirms that I love this episode. It's a damn good episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very impressive. This is the most impressed I've been with the show all season long. And, uh, you know, we have five more episodes, so uh, who knows what they have. Yeah. They always save the good stuff for the second half of the season, so uh, <laughs> it's uh, really, really exciting, this uh, third season of Lower Decks. Let's go into our uh, Gorn Egg section of the show. Uh, that is all of the Easter eggs, in-jokes, and continuity connections that I thought were worth pointing out. I'm going to try to run through this as fast as I can because there's a lot to spit out. But starting off, <laughs> Tolgana 4. We go back to Tolgana 4, the planet introduced in Woo-hoo! Lower Decks Episode 2, Envoy. But here uh, we see the Starfleet booth set up with <laughs> the little photo pop-up thing of Kirk and Spock in animated series style standing next to the Horta from Devil in the Dark. So that's cool to see. Father, I don't know if anyone at uh, Star Trek Mission uh, Seattle is listening to your podcast, but if they are... I request that this booth be there, and Father and I will 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 man the booth. Yeah, we uh, we could make our own we'll, little. We volunteer. We could make this yeah. little photo thing of like Kirk and and Spock, and people <laughs> yeah. can come take take pictures as Kirk and Spock next to the Horda. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like this uh, recruit Starfleet recruitment booth. I hope to see it in uh, <laughs> at Mission uh, Seattle. It would be awesome. Then on, on Tolgana Four, we have the outpost scientists. We have the conspiracy truthers. The conspiracy truthers have uh, all kinds of, like weird stuff hanging up in their booth including like pictures of a, a magato and shacks they actually have a conspiracy bug uh the collectors guild at their collectors booth they have all kinds of stuff we have the reckoning tablet thing from deep space nine the bajoran relic there's like some strange new worlds era starfleet badges a klingon duck tag there's the spot helmet with the light on top the the data bubble bath soap from an embarrassment of duplers, the little Gorn toy that's in Freeman's ready room, but there's like another one here. There's the, actually like this little Ferengi doll that was available at the Star Trek The Experience gift shop that I hate myself for never going to Star Trek The Experience before it shut down. Father, you already mentioned Jordy's visor, right? And also Spot, the painting. Yeah, there's of a, Spot. A, one of Data's paintings of <laughs> Spot, and there's also the uh, the artifact that Robin Curtis. Uh, had in in oh, gambit uh the uh like the, the ancient vulcan weapon the the like the, yeah, the, the sto- yeah, stone of right. stone of gaul i think it was called and the, the collector aliens themselves they're the same species as uh kivas fajo and palar toff right. from the most toys 
Right. The Wadi are there from uh, an episode of Deep Space Nine everyone hates, but I really like Move Along Home. But you know, they're there, I guess, like selling games. They're they're gamers. Alamorane. Alamorane, indeed. <laughs> they have like the little pieces from the Move Along Home game, the little uh, board pieces. They have uh, the game from the game, the the orgasm visor thing, the disc and cone game. Oh, that game's called Chula, by the way, right? The the actual game is called Chula. Alamorane is what you shout when you when you get to the next yes. shop. But I, I don't know why I know all that. Oh, they have the game pieces for uh, Batleths and Batoks, or Banox, the, right. their Klingon D&D game. We, we see some legacy Star Trek aliens that we had never seen on Lower Decks before. We have uh, the Vorgon from the... I don't I don't know if this Vorgon's from the 27th century, like the ones in, oh, in Captain's right. Holiday, but there's a Vorgon walking around on this planet. There's Octurians, one of the conspiracy a- aliens was a Octurian. There's another one walking. They're kind of like the melty face. They were from the motion picture, one of the motion picture aliens. On the archaeologist guild booth that Petra's at, it has a ton of stuff. It has like that uh, stone thing from uh, For the World is Hollow Enough Touch the Sky. It has the obelisk from the Paradise Syndrome. Uh, we talked about Petra being very much Vash inspired. She served on the USS Victory. That was the Constellation Starship. Speaking of the Stargazer, the ga- not the Gazer, they call it the Gazer, like the uh, Star Trek Picard Season 2 and Season 3 production people. People. But the Victory was a <laughs> Constellation class ship. That's the ship that they meet at the end of Elementary, my dear Data. It also saw some action in the Dominion War. They they mentioned the Victory in Deep Space Nine. Oh, right on. Look at that. We talked about this, I think, back when they did the trailer for season three. But Mariner's catchphrase of like, "Come join uh, Starfleet." You know, we have uh, what was it? Warp ten excitement. Prepare yourself for warp ten excitement. That's right. Uh, That's that right. was from the. That's like a tagline on the back of the book of the novelization of Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan from way back uh, thirty, <laughs> no, forty years ago. Also, uh, discover the undiscovered country, a reference to Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country. And uh, what else was on uh, Tolgana Four? I think that's all. Like the uh, the big stuff down there. I, I think the only thing you I think you pointed out the Wesley the we saw those like little devices on yeah the, the game uh, from the game. Yeah, the game from the game. Yeah, you you already did. And then also Independent Archaeologists Guild. <laughs> it's hilarious because they're independent and they're in a guild, but also it's indie, like indie archaeologists. Like Indiana Jones. Yeah, so dun, it's dun, kind dun, of funny. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, which used to be a Paramount yeah, yeah. thing, but I guess Disney uh, took that away. Oh, I guess <laughs> I guess so. There you go. <laughs> so no more Paramount Mountain in the beginning of the Indiana yeah, Jones? Uh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> anyways but yeah there, there's plenty of more gorn eggs though off of uh Togana 4 back on the the ship tindy talks about rutherford's dream of being in an alternate timeline where spock and kirk have cinematic chemistry <laughs> i think spock and kirk have like really great chemistry in every timeline but this must have been a reference to the uh the kelvin timeline <laughs> we talked about ransom threatening to send mariner to starbase 80 uh, starbase 80 was first brought up back in season one of the show in uh, the episode uh terminal what was the name velocity Ter- terminal <laughs> Ter- uh, terminal i can't remember either Ter- terminal provocations well, that's it that's the... something like that that's it. the one with fletcher uh <laughs> but i think it was episode six 
You can't ask Starfleet boy old man to remember anything. But anyway, Starbase long. 80. Apparently, it's a hellhole. It's just like kind it of like is. the worst Starbase ever. So, uh, is, Boimler has kind of like the same reaction when Starbase 80 is brought up. You know, when it's like Mariner like pushed Tiana into like her nachos on accident or something. She's like, if you're going to goof around like that, go work on Starbase 80. Someone's like, damn, Starbase 80. And you know, here, Boimler has kind of a similar reaction when Ransom says Starbase 80. He's, he's like, no, not Starbase 80 or whatever. So, uh, no one wants to go serve at Starbase 80. <laughs> but speaking of of star bases we learned that rutherford transferred to the cerritos from douglas station that was the uh, station we first saw in the first episode of the show second contact and it's popped up a couple times since then blue rutherford and red rutherford accuse each other of being anaphasic aliens uh, that right. was a reference to the orgasm Ronan. candle ghost uh, aka ronin from <laughs> The beloved classic <laughs> episode of The Next Generation, Sub Rosa. I love that in-universe that that's, like, something you would go to, because it is scary. It's the same way we would say, like, you got possessed by a demon. You yeah, anaphasic like, aliens, if they're a kinda... real thing, it'd be freaky. It'd or be freaky. it'd be sexy, you know, if you're into that, like, uh, like Dr. Crusher was. <laughs> it'd be both. It would be uh, both. There's no reason why it can't be both. <laughs> we see in the repair bay the Omicron SETI 3 spore plant from so the cool. side of paradise. It's kind of <laughs> funny when it keeps like spraying out its spores because like you know like the, you know that's what it does. Like it's trying to like spore them basically but you know Tindy has a little dome over it. But yeah like it, it spored Spock and everyone else back in the side of paradise. Uh, we're talking about like uniforms. There is a lot of Starfleet uniform stuff in here so Rutherford is actually wearing yep. a cadet uniform under his cool jacket. He's got like that bad boy jacket. Looks looks really cool. So I, I would cosplay the the young Rutherford look, but he's wearing the cadet uniform that was first introduced in the Deep Space Nine episode Facets, which has it's has like the mostly gray with like those uh, pockets and stuff on on the legs. Uh, we also have one of the outpost scientists asking the question like, why are the uniforms always changing in Starfleet? Which is a reasonable question actually. <laughs> you know, Boimler has a good answer saying, that, you know, because there, there's always room for improvement. And look, I have a cool flap. Uh, but he's holding up pictures of the uh, the first two season TNG uniforms, also a uh, TNG era dress uniform. Uh, we see a uh, TNG season three and later era uniform uh, during the implant uh, surgery memory scene and on board the delta flyer rutherford and his crew are wearing the race uniforms from race the star uniforms. trek voyager love those. episode drive follow the next time you commission a uh a star trek uh like a text track uh painting i'd like to be in that in the race uniform. uniform it's pretty right yeah it's pretty awesome well the uh the race <laughs> posters in rutherford's garage if you look at like the fonts on there and it's like that tng blue font that lower decks also uses for like the lower decks logo as well as there's a Devron race poster that has like the red bold like TMP Rathacon like the TOS movie era lettering and Devron I guess is a reference to the Devron system which was established to be in the Romulan neutral zone way back in All Good Things on the Next Generation mm -hmm. so good use of the universe there and the Delta Flyer of course being from Star Trek Voyager first introduced in the episode Extreme Risks and we even get it introduced here as being like under construction, which is uh, how we first saw it in uh, Voyager when they they built it in, in season five. The uh, interior has the uh, the same look, so that was cool. The Rutherford remember thing uh, with the hand on the face that was a clear nod to Spock telling Doctor McCoy remember in the Wrath of Khan, seen again in the Search for Spock, and then of course the Grand Nega staff that Petra 
liberates from the museum at the end. Uh, that belongs to the uh, the Negus of the Ferengi Alliance. So uh, we saw that in DS Nine a lot. Which I hope Rom is still Negus at this point. So I don't know who took his staff. Yeah, and also, but... yeah, that's interesting that there's a whole story there. By the way, there's like a big story, like the like the losing and returning of uh, the Negus's staff, which is kind of yeah. Fun. I don't know what's going on. Uh, to think about Tolgana Four is an interesting planet. I'm not. Uh, you know, they apparently they have a museum there with like stolen. Uh, St- stolen items <laughs> stolen, from like the head of state of the Ferengi items. alliance. So, uh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, Tolgana. I don't think Tolgana Four is a member world of the Federation because there's a, a Federation embassy there. So uh, it's it's cool that it's a, it's a cool place to tell stories. You have like all these different races and stuff like meeting on this one planet. It's kind of a kind of a cool um, uh, setting. It's kind of a cool thing too because it's kind of what the Farpoint Station was supposed right. To like be the like. Bandy weren't trying to join the Federation, but they're trying to have like an outpost that the Starfleet would they use. I think that's what Tolgana Four right. is. But you know, we also right. you know the Klingons have a presence there. There's like a, a little Endorian town, a little Ryzen town. So yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. I, I would love to see yeah. it more. I would love if like another show other than Lower Decks decided to go there. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be really cool, actually. I agree. <laughs> so those are all the Gorn eggs I wanted to share with y'all. But Father, real quick, though, there's a couple of Gorn eggs you did miss this week. One Aaron Harvey posted on Twitter, so you'll have to go and check that one out. It's about that starship on the trophy. I forget. It's it's something that Matt Jeffries designed or something like that. I forget the exact. Oh, was it the it. Uh, was I, it like the long range shuttle from the slaver weapon? It might be. I can't. I'll, I could pull up the tweet if you really want to know. But um, that's what I was. Yeah, I that's what I was kind of thinking, but I wasn't sure. It's yeah, gotta love. It's no, it's the AMT Leaf Erickson right. Galactic Cruiser model. Then they trophy. they yeah. later like Bob used Klein that a sketch of yeah. They later like used that as inspiration for the uh, the shuttle that we and see. And it in is the slaver weapon. weapon. Yeah, it, exactly right. And Springtime points out, uh, but we did mention it during the discussion, but the Rutherford Starship is the uh, Philippines, yeah. kind of uh, the, the name of oh, the and, ship. Oh, and you the, mentioned there's the, like a, there is the a row thing, a row Laren thing. Oh, yeah. So on one of the L cars, the close up, it, it's row Laren is hidden in the uh, L cars. Uh, so you're posting wow. that, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So. Hey, close attention <laughs> to those interesting well that's a that's a really tough one so yeah a couple but you did a good job there are a lot of a lot of crazy uh gorn eggs and you showed me ones that i hadn't caught so i feel very satisfied with your going yeah, it's always always a lot of work on, <laughs> on lord x uh but they're, they're, they're i don't fun. know how y'all commit to it i'm i'm glad starfleet boy doesn't do uh gorn eggs <laughs> <laughs> we were <laughs> less work <laughs> well i would love if y'all would share with us your reactions to this episode uh people watching or listening to this later please comment reply to my tweets let us know in the text trek discord server you can comment on the text trek facebook page but uh, we love hearing responses of uh, how people uh, react to these episodes uh, we actually have a few from uh, last week's episode which you might remember like i wasn't too crazy about last week's episode so it's very refreshing to just utterly love this week's episode uh, after uh, last week's was probably like the, the weakest one of the season i'm saying it was bad but it was the weakest of the season for me i'm not gonna go through too many of them because i felt like we've we've talked about gorneg so much but uh Probably uh, probably time to end the show soon, but uh, Thomas Hill on, on the YouTube said, uh, I wish writers would create a new character for the engineering department that is an Anar as a nod to Hemmer from Strange New Worlds. I would love to see uh, an engineering, uh, or any any Enar at all. Uh, Enar, Anar, I always, yeah, I always go back cool. and forth on how I pronounce it, but yes, yes, let, let's get some of them walking around on the Cerritos and Lower Decks. I'm all for that, Thomas. It's like people who say Uranus. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's there's no <laughs> elegant way to say the name of that planet. Just whatever, however it's you true. say it, it's going to sound <laughs> terrible. So. It's just going to sound awful. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> also on YouTube, Opinions No One Cares About says, I loved that Tindy talked about exploring an ethical gray area, and then they had to sneak into the holodeck, which was a little gray area at the time. So yeah, a little double meaning there. Uh, I like it. Oh, that's, that is really and, cool. That's and fun. in our Discord server... Dr. Dalsom, a.k.a. Uh, John Dawes, says, Bold Boimler gonna die for being too bold. So, yeah, is the, you know, with a bold Boimler, he's, he's, he's winning a lot of respect. You know, here, uh, he he got the respect of those uh, people who ended up signing up for Starfleet. He got the respect of Commander Ransom. We know that Cranch uh, thinks highly of him. Uh, we, we know that uh, Shax owes him a favor. We'll, we'll see if he... Uh, if he's able to, uh, you know, maintain this, or is Mariner going to be proven correct? Is it unsustainable? May fortune favor the bull. We know that uh, episode see. eight of the show that's going to be the uh, the big movie sequel to Crisis Point, but oh, with like cool. Boimler's story. So I think maybe there, I think that might be where it comes to a head. So, yeah, it's gonna be uh, looking fun. forward to that. Well, that'll be in three weeks. Wow! But next week, Captain Bucephalus uh, Dagger. I'm yeah, that's in, that's in three him. weeks. But next week we're going back. Deep Space Nine, which I'm so I, excited. you know, people who, who, and I just can't hide pe- it. People who follow Textwork <laughs> for a while, y'all know how much Deep Space Nine means to me. It's, it, it, it's probably my favorite TV show of all time. Uh, if I could, if I could go all anywhere time. in fiction, like if I could go to like any fictional setting ever, uh, or anything that like existed in like real life history, anything, if I just like the place I would want to go most is I just want to like walk around the promenade of Deep Space Nine. I kind of, I, I wish you could have that dream. I wish there was like a set that you could walk onto. Like I'd pay, I'd, I'd pay real money to see, <laughs> to see real to money. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get a a taste of, of Deep Space Nine next week. So um, I, the episode is actually called "Hear All, Trust Nothing." That's one of the rule. I think it's the one hundred ninetieth rule of acquisition. It's from a mm. that was from a Call to Arms, the season five finale. Father, they were on a roll with the uh, the big cameos, and then they stopped. Do you think we'll get a big cameo? Next I think week that's with, a uh... very safe bet. I'm, uh, in fact, yeah, I think yeah, Mike okay. McMahon or Tawny or somebody when they were teasing this said like, uh, there they might be like some it. familiar faces on on the station. Gotcha. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking I'm forward excited. to. I'm looking forward to having a drink at Quarks. <laughs> I'm looking forward to like, uh, you know, they got to show Morn, right? You can't you can't go to DS9 and not have Morn there. So yeah, um, I I'm uh, very very thrilled, and I hope that everyone. Uh, checks out our show next week and uh, we can celebrate our, our return to the station together but, uh, uh, until then though uh, we'll go ahead and sign off for now but as always live long and prosper y'all listen to the text trek podcast through apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify or at text-trek.com like us on facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek and follow fathery on twitter at tx trek Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.